Hi everyone, welcome to Notes of the North Talks, a series where we get to know our amazing local Canadian composer talent. Today I'm here with Sunny Ray, Dave Ryder. Thank you so much, Sunny, for taking the time to speak with me today. Hi, no problem. First and foremost, I'd love to get to know you and your background a little better. So where in Canada do you currently call home? I'm currently residing in Lethbridge, Alberta, but where I'm from, the Kainai Blood Tribe is actually just bordering the city. And we have like this massive territory um, in Treaty 7 in southern Alberta. So and to give some context, I think where my home is on the reserve, we're like maybe like a half hour away from the American border. Oh. So that's how far south we are. Okay. Um, are those the primary places that you feel connected to? Um, well, yeah, of course, because, um, well, first of all, it's my home. It's not only my home where I currently reside, but um, traditionally, ancestrally, this was our territory. It was our traditional homeland. So I do feel a deep connection in that sense, of course. Perfect. How did you first start composing? Let's see where... I just got to collect it all again. Well, it started... I started with the piano. So I started playing when I was about 14. And then um, I think I composed my first piano piece when I was 16. And I entered a music festival actually with it in our region called the Kiwanis Music Festival. And they had like this big award ceremony at the end of it. And I got adjudicator's prize, which was like a fancy way of saying like, you know, first place in the festival, right? So <laughs> it was, and then the rest was history. And Kickstart. Yeah. <laughs> if you could describe your musical style as a composer in three words, what would they be and why? See, that's, that's a hard one because I'm, uh, I, I actually like dip my feet or toes into a lot of genres, right? So um, I guess it's modern, modern classical would be one, one word. And then it kind of borders on like this quasi uh, minimalistic kind of approach with things. And then um, spiritual, I guess the first two are kind of explanatory. Mm. Um, um, I guess if you're familiar with like the musical, different subcategories of musical genres, minimalism is kind of in its own. And I do touch on elements of that. So, and if you ever heard my music, you'll kind of hear elements of that, especially my earlier works. And I guess spiritual because as a Blackfoot person, Indigenous person, I'm very connected through ceremony and ritual and through my land. And I like to investigate that part of myself through my music. It's just one avenue of my music, but for the most part, um, because my mentor talked about, um, Dr. Arlen Schultz talked about intentionality. So I think in my music, I'm trying to recreate that sacred space in myself. And I guess sonically, so. What is one of your works that you feel best represents this musical style? Um, I guess all of it. One would be called Orogeny, actually. And it's a piano trio for, uh, well, piano, um, violin, and cello. Because it's kind of like a, um, a big piece, per se, in the time that, the time sense, the way that things unravel. Because I think we don't, and it really encapsulates that minimalist feel, if you ever heard it. Um, quite well and I think it encapsulates um, my spiritual um, aspects of myself so and I think I got to go back to the title orogeny it's actually um, a geological term for mountain forming and so where I'm from I'm very close to the Rocky Mountains so and that's always been like my view growing up as a kid you know waking up was the first thing I saw as the mountains you know and when I was a teenager I partied all night the first thing I saw was the mountains you know <laughs> 
in the sunlight, right? When the sun rose in the east. But um, I have a very close connection to that. So I think titling that and just having a special affinity for the sciences too and appreciating um, uh, ge the geological time sense of how, you know, it you know, took a long time for these mountains to form. And so I think in my music, especially that track, I, um, I try to emulate that sound, that time sense, right? It's, it's really elongated and it takes um, some time to get things going, right? I see. So. Yeah, following a little bit on that theme, um, several others of your works, including Stormmaker, Fireflies, and Spirit or Moonsong, these all follow a common theme of the natural world. Could you speak a little more towards how your work is shaped by this theme and, and or how you're inspired by it? It's, it's funny because uh, I think a lot of people think that the land is external from us, you know. And as being an indigenous person, and any indigenous person, and just someone who's a nature lover, would understand that it's not really separate from us. You know, like we are the land. And, you know, it's easy to say that, but I guess to explore that, for myself personally, I had to explore it. Like, well, how am I connected to one? You know, what is it that comes through? Why do I have like this um, strong sense of belonging to the land, right? So, and I guess I just try to explore those concepts in my music because when I, I like to think my music comes um, through me, in a sense. And to quote uh, an ethnomusicologist, his name was Bruno Nettle, he did quite an extensive study on um, Blackfoot music in general. And, um, you know, to quote him, but this is something that I think all Blackfoot people know and Indigenous people know, is that um, music is not how we communicate with, you know, the other side, the spiritual. It's how the spiritual connects with us and communicates to us. So it was, it was pretty interesting. It was like, oh, that's it. That's what I know, right? You know, I had a, like this white guy tell me, and I was like, oh, I knew that already. But, you know, put it, it was in, funny. Put the thoughts into words, you know. Yeah, I'd love to see how deeply connected you are to your roots um, and how this is woven through your pieces. How have these compositions connected you closer to Canada and your cultural history? I, I wouldn't say that my music is Canadian, first of all, uh -huh. because being Indigenous and Blackfoot, um, like, you know, and just like going through like the history that, you know, Indigenous people are older than the concept of Canada. And so I really try not to tie my music to like a nationalistic kind of um, identity, right? Interesting. Okay. Because even though like I am a Canadian, I, you know, legally, hmm. you know, but to identify as a Canadian is um, a little rocky relationship, of course, with the government. And, and I'm allowed to say that being Indigenous. Okay. A little bit of a trickier question then. Um, what has been one of your greatest challenges on your musical journey this far? Um, I guess just trying to learn and adapt and just kind of push my own boundaries mm. in a sense too. And I think being a person of color in general and this um, classical music spheres where it is predominantly white, especially coming from, you know, being academically trained in it, um, through, you know, Western institutions, it's still very whitewashed. Like we have, um, like music, music theory and, um, musicology is getting better, but 
we're trying to find ways that intersect with because being indigenous, especially my um, perspective of music, um, it's all intersectional, right? It's not just like a performance. It's not, you know, it's functional for indigenous people. Like we use it for prayer. We use it to welcome people home. We use it to honor other people, right? And one of those functions too, like I mentioned earlier, is how I connect with uh, my spirituality or how it connects with me, which just happens to be music. What is one of your greatest sources of inspiration? Um, well, right now, I guess, because I go through like these phases. Mm -hmm. um, again, like it's always, I try to tie it to the land. And I guess to circle back on one of your questions is how, um, like how I try to explore the concepts of land in my music or through myself. Mm -hmm. So my thesis work now is actually, I created a song cycle of, I think about seven works. And it's called the Blood Song Cycle. And anyway, but it, in summary, all this music produced are artifacts, artifacts of my grief, my journey through grief. So like my grief was actually like, um, I guess the research, you know, invest investigating it. But through my thesis and storytelling through it, I'm trying to um, parallel grief as a landscape and emotions. You know, so they're not, I don't want to say anthropomized, but I mean, I'm projecting my own um, emotions onto the land and um, yeah, creating a new landscape. Because that's what I think grief essentially is. This is an unfamiliar territory because everyone experiences it. And that's what makes us human. Yeah, so, and just like the land, like it's raw, it's, you know, untamed, kind of, you know, like a, I don't want to say new frontier, because it's always been here, but I think processing my grief, because it's, I've never experienced that kind of um, pain in my life before. Over loss, I should specify, I lost my grandmother, which was very much our matriarchy of our family. And then, you know, just processing that journey through myself. So what do you see as the future of composition? I guess both here in Canada and globally. I'm not too sure because it is very now and how hyper-connected we are, um, you know, especially to other artists and ideas. Um, it could go a lot of ways. But I think what I'm interested in is um, Indigenous futurism. Like, how is that going to look, you know, in terms of music? Like, say, like modern. If we go into um, classical spheres of music, like, how is that going to look for... Um, modern Indigenous composers, like how can we push that boundary and how can we make a platform for ourselves mm -hmm. and be a little, because, you know, being Indigenous, like we're kind of fortunate, it's small enough that we're um, still connected and that we have a community, right? But I think globally, I think we'd like to be a little more recognized and our um, contributions to classical music and how we can change it. Definitely. And I guess another question that ties into that is, do you find it challenging or do you, do you find it hard to appeal to current listening audiences? Is that something you keep in mind when you write? Actually, um, no. I, I, I write music for myself, first of all, you know, and then I've never really had, um, I mean, some people may not get it. And I guess that goes for every art artist, right? You know, there's going to be people who get your work and people who don't. Absolutely. And it's fine. It's perfectly okay. So, but I think myself having a platform um, and getting um, 
more recognition. I'm not too sure. I mean, I always circle back to this because it is a big point, you know, because being Indigenous um, composer, it, it is a little different for us, right? Especially when, um, like, we go back in history where, again, um, where music was tied to, like, nationalism. They wanted that Indian sound, right? So there's, like, there's expectations from us, what's Indigenous, um, not from us, but from other people. And I guess sometimes being Indigenous, we can fall into that trap of, into those expectations. Because sometimes those expectations, and, and I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, antiquitating us, you know, Again, that's when I go back to Indigenous Futurism. Like, what's it going to be? What's it going to sound like? Okay, well, as a last message, do you have anything you would like to share with the listeners? Final words of wisdom? Um, I don't know. I guess, like, because, like, I guess I'm a... I've been in, like, um, academia for life. I've been, I've been a student for a long time. So if I had a word of wisdom to my uh, fellow students, um, I guess go to class. <laughs> All right, and that's pretty much everything. Thank you so much.